going to speak this morning on have you met the Son of God? John was inspired by the Holy Spirit and uh, he said that the purpose of this gospel is that he might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and believing he might have life through his name. So we want to review some of the things that he wrote about Jesus. And with the thought on our hearts and minds, have you met the Son of God? I believe that most people have heard of him, but it did not... uh, cause them to, to seek further knowledge or further understanding. So we want to really try to answer four basic questions. Why did he come? What did he do? What does he offer? And how can you receive it? I spent a a lot of time yesterday afternoon on the phone with a daughter of a friend I used to work with and and she says dad wanted me to call you and talk to you but she said I've tried religion I said that was your problem religion won't save you Religion will do nothing to you except confuse you. What you need, you need to seek to know Jesus Christ. But let's ask the question, why did he come? If you have your Bibles in John chapter 3 and verse 17, John said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I want to notice the word world. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And most people read John 3, 16. You won't find one person in a thousand probably or maybe higher than that that knows what really John 3, 16 says. And the key word is world. Well, the same is here. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Not talking about this world that we see and we live in, but the spiritual world. His elect, those that he died for. And so God tells us, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him, you know, they might be saved. Which tells us that Jesus is the only way that an individual can be saved. But I think we need to take it a step further. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can learn what God wants us to do, how we want, he wants us to live, It's all in knowing him. That's where it begins. That's where it will end. 
God said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, which we've used these scriptures a number of, of times, and, but when you look at John 10, 10, we see the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Well, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I think the difference between a lost person enjoying life and a saved person enjoying life, there's two different worlds. There is the world of the lost, as you see around you. That's why people travel great distance to see part of the physical world and get excited about that, but don't get excited about this world that Jesus is going to take me to, and I hopefully everyone that I'm speaking to this morning. Because he said still in the book of John, in John chapter 12 and verse 46, notice what God said. John 12 and verse 46. God said, I am come... I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Now, let's look at verse 46. How can we really know, you know, when I talk to most people, and you probably have sometime in your life, and they say, oh, yeah, I was saved as a child, or I was saved when so-and-so held the revival, but their habits, what they do, what is important to them has not changed. But when you look at this verse here in John twelve forty-six, he said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Now, darkness here represents the world. The world that we see, the world that we participate in, the world that sometimes, so many times, controls us. And when you ask somebody, are they saved, as I was talking to a person not too long ago, and she said, oh yeah, preacher, I remember the exact day, the exact hour, you know, who was there and everything. But how come your life is in such a mess now? She said, I don't know. Do you still believe you're saved? She said, I'm not sure. Now let's look at the last part of verse 46 again. That whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. When we abide in darkness represents the world world, the social world, the activity, things that we look at that entice us or cause us to do things that, that we know that we shouldn't do. It's to love for the world. See, 
the love of the unknown. Sometimes I've never been there. I've never done that. But when you're been called out of darkness into the blessed light of Jesus Christ, our future or my future, I focus on my future. And my future is not in this world. The world offers no future for me. And I'm, I'm not sorry about that. Matter of fact, I'm grateful for that. This world is such a place that God has left me in that I may do his work. And when my work is done, he'll take me home. Now, you know, humanly speaking, if you've got a bad heart or you've got a, a cancer or you've got some disease that, that usually you only last a number of years. But see, all of us only last a number of years. It's not how old you are, but have the world seen Jesus in your life. And again, he said, whosoever, that includes me, that includes you, it includes everyone that's been saved. Whosoever believeth. On him. Now I want to emphasize this verse for the last time. Should not abide in darkness. Christ is not saying that we won't sin. I don't go the route that when we're saved we'll never commit another sin. But I do take the stand that that sin will not have the pleasure that it once had. So why did he come? He simply said the first of John twelve forty six, I am come a light into the world. I am come a light unto the world. Now we know it's not talking about the whole world without exception. Because a lost person will never see that light until God grants them repentance and faith. Never. They may get excited. They may join the church, (coughs) be baptized for a number of times. but they'll never experience a life of continuous inward joy until they realize that Christ did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Our second point is What did he do? Notice still in the book of John, chapter 10. John, chapter 10. Let's look at verse 11. 
He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, if we go on and read a little further in this same chapter, it says in verse 12, But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the shepherd are not, seeketh the wolf, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleets. And the wolf catches them and scatter the sheep. We tend to think through our actions that because we are saved and know we are saved, and a, a salvation, if you experience salvation and you only think you're saved, you only believe you're saved, but when God saves a man, he gives you a no-soul salvation. I know that I know that I know. I may not understand everything I read. I may not live perfectly. I may not, I may not, I may not. But this I do know, that Christ saved me, and my desire is to please him. What is your desire? What is the desire? Well, we go on down to verse 15. And we see, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. Christ didn't die for everybody. John 3.16 doesn't teach that. And I know you've heard it all your life if you went to to an average Sunday school class. It's just about coloring pages and that Jesus loves you and everything is fine. And that's all right for the young. But that's not what's going to make us grow. That's not what's going to cause us to make a stand when making a stand is not the popular thing to do. He said again, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I know, not I believe, I know that God sent his son into the world to die for me. And until you become that positive, you're setting yourself up for the devil to bring doubt and confusion in your life. See, if you know who Jesus is and where he came from, you know that the devil is no match for him. The devil works on the flesh, and the flesh is not perfect. Matter of fact, your flesh is not even good. So we need to understand. Still in the book of John, let's go to the 19th chapter. You know, for lost people, I always tell them, begin with the book of John, read John all the way through. Go to Acts, the 16th chapter, and read that. And then you're ready to go anywhere in the New Testament. But you got to see there's a difference between reading and reading. God said, what did he 
do? What is his purpose? What was the purpose of God? Well, as he said in John chapter 12 and verse 46, I am come a light in the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. How do you know? Simple test here. A simple test, and we'll get over to 19 here in a, in a minute. But as we look at John chapter 12 and verse 46, that I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. How do you know you're saved? I think one of the most fascinating ways that I know that I'm saved I can go into darkness. In other words, I can think things I shouldn't think. I may even do some things I shouldn't do, but I can't stay there. I'm not talking about I stay in darkness for weeks and months and years. I can't without God chasing me, without God dealing with me. But if you got the attitude that I must be lost because I did that and I know it's wrong. Because the Bible says, He that knoweth to do good doeth not to him is sin. But can you tell me which sin is the worst sin of all? We got our own mind, don't we? You know, right offhand, you know, to be a practicing homosexual is to me about the grossest sin you can commit. But one lie that hasn't been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ will send you to hell. Now, I say that to get us to think because the world will not think on you. The world will blindly tell you, I don't do this, 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 and this. Well, there's a lot of lost people that don't do this, 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 and this. So what did he do? Well, he said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd give his life for his sheep. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the only people, that's the only souls that Christ died for was his sheep, or if you want to get doctrinally speaking, his elect. God has elected a certain number of people who when they hear the word of God, they will believe the word of God, they will repent of their sins, and as a way of life, they will strive to please him. Now, We'll get back to the verse that I told you about in John chapter 19. John 19 and verse 16. Notice what God says here. He says, Then deliver he him, therefore unto them, to be crucified. Now, if we see here, and delivered he him, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. 
And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Gadrapha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. What did he do? He gave his life that I may live. If somebody saved your life, if somebody, your house was on fire and one of your children was in the house and somebody went in that burning house and pulled your child out, you would lift that person up. You saved my child. God saved my life. Stop and think, if you're here in this auditorium saved, why would God save you? You know, I've asked myself that question time and time again, and I'm being as honest as I know how to be. I don't know one reason why he would save me. I was a sinner when he did. And I'll be a sinner until I die. But because of the Holy Spirit that entered me when Jesus went back to glory, I now can overcome sin. I still sin, but I don't have to sin. So I don't have no sympathy when I go counsel somebody. And, you know, I knew I was wrong, but I just went ahead and did it anyway. Well, you got out of his will. The key for me and everyone of you that is saved is to do your very best to remain in the will of God. The third point is, what does he offer? What? does he offer? And the person asked me that many times. I've been asked that many, many times when I'm talking to somebody trying to lead them to see their need of Jesus. From teenagers all the way up to older people. What does he offer? Well, if you look at at book of John, the third Chapter in the last verse, verse 36. The Lord said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. See, one of these days I will change where I dwell. But this body will never go to heaven. Because this body is sinful. This body is my enemy. But God said, He that believeth on the Son hath. And that word hath is, means what? It means right now. I have a bottle of water in my hand. 
Right now, I got it. I know that water is there, but when does it become mine? I know that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I know that I'm a sinner. When will that blood be effective to me? When I reach out and say these words, either verbally or in my heart, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But every lost person knows they're going to die, but they're not going to die now. I mean, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm not going to die now. I've got two brothers in glory that I've never seen. Those two brothers I know are in heaven. The rest of my siblings I hope and pray will be in heaven. But I know those two little brothers are in heaven. I know their names. I've got their birth certificate. I know when they're born. I know who, you know, as much as I can know about them. See, how do you know that? We go to the book of Psalms when David, you know, had lost his son, and he told everybody, I can't, you can't come to me, but I know where you're at. My two brothers is not going to come to me now. But I tell you what is exciting. They're going to come in the clouds with Jesus Christ. And all the dead that's died in Christ. So he that believeth on the Son hath right now everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Now see how powerful verse 36 is. Oh, I know I'm going to hell if I die right now because I'm a, I'm a this and I'm a this and I'm a that. No, you're going to hell because you didn't believe on Jesus Christ. Your sinfulness is just evidence. Man doesn't go to hell because he's a drunk, an alcoholic, a drug addict, a, an adulterer. Those are the evidence that he hasn't been born again. But he goes to hell because he would not receive Jesus Christ. And that's where we become. This church, this pastor especially, will stand before God and give an account for everyone that I had opportunity to preach to and didn't do it. That's why I don't turn down no preaching I don't care whether it's white church, black church, red church, yellow church. I don't care. I'll preach down here at the Catholic church if he'd invite me. Why? Because God called me to preach. And he didn't say, you just preach in the pulpit where it's safe and you know everybody, you know, they may not buy into it 100%, but they're on your side. God said, he that believeth on the Son have everlasting life. But notice, he that believeth not the Son 
shall not see light. It says nowhere in that verse that a lost man is going to hell because of what he did or didn't do. What he did or didn't do is the evidence of what he believes. God said, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Every lost person is walking around with the wrath of God upon him. And if God chooses to take him out or take her out of this life, absent from the body, present in hell. You may take the body down to any funeral home you choose. They make, make you look better than you ever looked in your life. But that body is not going anywhere except the grave. In John 5.24, probably one of my favorite verses in the book of John is, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, believe on him that sent me, have everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but pass unto life. Let's don't worry about anything except the very first one. Verily, verily, of a truth, of a truth, I say unto you, He that heareth my word. Now, you don't have any control. I don't have any control over whether a lost man hears the word. But I do, and I will stand before God when I have an opportunity to preach to him, talk to him, invite him, and don't do it. Because I've already decided that whole family is going to hell. Why am I wasting my time? Do you believe that? You believe the whole family is going to hell because one of them is lost? Of course, that's not true. And God may just save one or he may save the whole family, but he's not going to save any of them until they hear the word of God. God said in John 11, Verse 25, you know, this is so beautiful, it's, it's so simple. But here in John chapter 11, we, we see here, notice in verse 25, God said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, Yes, shall he live. You know, it was several years ago that I read that verse and I really, it hit me. You're spiritually dead in this body. This body is depraved. This body is against God. This body is against everything that God says. But yet, God allows your spirit to live inside of a de decayed as far as life. There's nothing in this body that is spiritual. But yet, God comes in and Jesus went to heaven and he said there in John that it's expedient that I go away because if I go not away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. But when he comes 
and enters into your body, then there's a whole new outlook on your life. There's a whole new understanding. But this is a different sermon. But, you know, when that spirit comes into your body, you now have the ability to know truth from error. This is a little tidbit. As I say, it don't cost you anything. The Spirit will not teach me one thing and Sister Hampton something else. What are you saying, Pastor? I I just said it. (laughs) See, both of us can be wrong, but both of us can be right. And people get excited because somebody they really respect agrees with them. You know, life when you live by yourself is quite different than it is when you live with some somebody. And when I want some spiritual excitement to know how fortunate I am, I'll get on Facebook and start listening to some of these pretend preachers. I mean, it is better than comedy on Broadway. And you say, why would you say that? It's a joke. People just send their money in. They drove from this house to that house to a bigger house, from that car to that car to another car, and get up every week and make fun of Jesus Christ. And people get mad at me because I bring it out. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. In John eleven twenty five, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me. I wonder why he didn't put on me. Though he were dead, yet he shall live. One of these days, I will die. I've already made the pre-arrangements. If the rapture doesn't take place, I'll go down here to wires, and they'll take this old ugly body and try to make it look as good as they can, you know. But I'm not there. When the last breath leaves this body, I'll be at the feet of Jesus. And that could be today. I didn't say that because, you know, uh, I don't know when he's coming, but I, I know I'm ready. And I pray to God that every one of you here and the ones that will listen to this on Sermon Audio are ready. There ain't nothing that's important in your life than to be prepared to die. Our last point is, how can you receive it? Well, you know, uh, that's why John is so wonderful. It's such a wonderful book. He says in John chapter 3 and verse 7, John 3, 7, y'all probably read this a lot of times. He said, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye 
must be born again. There's got to be a second birth. See, Jesus, in the form of the Holy Spirit, lives inside of me. This body, you know, most of the time, thanks God, that it uh, cooperates with the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. But sometimes, you know how our body does. It wants to do what it wants to do, you know. And there's many ways that we don't listen to the Spirit inside of us, you know. When the doctor says, don't eat this and don't eat that, back in our mind, we say, you ain't telling me what to eat. But if we don't, then we feel the, well, it's the same way spiritually. I'd say, the church, you need a steady diet of the Word of God. I mean, surely you can take five minutes and just read three, four verses. So, well, I just don't. Well, I, I, I don't know about you, but my Bible lays on my desk just like that. Every morning I get up, got my coffee on the table. I open up the Bible wherever I open up is where I read. And then when I get down to business, then I, I read book by book. But just to get my, I think that God is in control of where this page is going to open. And that's what God wants me to read today. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to agree with it. But the point of it is, do we start our day off with coffee and the Word or just coffee? Now, how can you receive it? He said, Nicodemus said, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 7, he was a ruler of the Jews, a teacher of Israel, who came to him asking the the above question, ye must be born again. New birth is a necessity for salvation because man by nature is a lost sinner and must be born again by believing on God's Son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to read the Bible every day to be saved. You don't have to be faithful in anything to be saved. But you must be born again. And when you're born again, and you can keep up with the activities when you were lost, and it doesn't bother you, you got a problem. Because when I was lost, and about everybody in my family was had the Grace Baptist Church craze, you know, and everybody wanted me to come, and I I'm all right. See, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to do this. Then one Tuesday morning on US 25, God touched my heart instead of my head. I've never been the same. It may not be what you want me to be. It may not be what my family wants me to be. 
but I'm working to be what God wants me to be. So as we close, you know, it's so important because God says in John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He did not say, except ye be baptized, except ye do this, except ye do that, except ye do this. But see, all of these except ye do will come as you grow. And if you've been saved a number of years and you're saved and none, nothing has changed, you're a miserable Christian and it don't take very little to put what you want to do in front of what God wants you to do because you haven't grown. And the verse that everybody knows, you know, but he says... John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. In him should not perish. I pray that today will be the day if you're lost that you'll come to know Jesus. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this simple study. We know that we've preached on these subjects time and time again. And Father, we live like-